Hello, welcome to the Withy Window Podcast, brought to you by Covenant Coffee. The Withy Window Podcast exists to help men and women have dominion and mastery over their corner of the earth as they build godly households that are sturdy, productive, and joyful. We believe that Jesus Christ is Lord over all, and we desire to see His Word come out our fingertips. And particularly, we desire to build upon the commands of Christ by speaking specifically about the wisdom of applying those commands. Today, we're going to take some time to talk generally about manhood or masculinity. And then within that realm, we want to talk about like I, the ideas of mission, dominion, and this evil word right now called patriarchy. Um, but before we get into those details, we want to talk a little more about like the the current that is pushing against us, like what we are fighting against uh, when we think about masculinity. I mean, we're we're in a world right now that is just at war against manhood. It seems like anything that uh, is of masculine nature and is just rejected. Um, mm-hmm. So so our current plight, uh, let me give you some like statistics of fatherless homes. 63% of youth suicides come from fatherless homes. 90% of youth homeless and runaways, come from fatherless homes. 85% of youth behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists uh, and anger issues come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts. 75% of youth patients in chemical abuse centers. And 85% of all youths in prison. Uh, That's staggering. That is. Those are high numbers. We live really in a culture of soft men, men raised by women to act like women in a culture run by women, men raised to be soft, uh, gentle in a more uh, uh, feminine way, quiet, passive, nurturing. Men are taught to view their aggressive instincts as a result of the fall, uh, and really, to, to use someone else's phrase here, men are taught that they are defective women, uh, that they're, they're just, they don't act like a woman, they, they, that their aggression, those, their, their natural instincts to conquer, to, to divide, to draw hard lines, oh, you're just, you're just, um, you're just mean. Sure. And why is that current right now? You know, culture swings like a pendulum back and forth and we have swung far away from the sinful patriarchal culture of our past and it's in our history books. And now we've landed in an opposite sinful matriarchal culture where women are divorced of any need of the male gender. We, it's weak of us if we need a man. So now in that pendulum swing, men are the ones really are who are oppressed in a way and by women and are oppressed by men who have swallowed the Kool-Aid of feminism. Yeah, yeah, they have. Um, and like to, to con- continue like describing this culture of soft men, we have men who have been nurtured to be perpetual children. Well, that's real convenient to, to, to women who want to run everything well, it's great if you just teach the children how to continually, uh, or teach the boys how to be perpetual children. Um, and so what happens then is you end up with men who never take responsibility for themselves. Uh, they're never taking responsibility for their families. Another characteristic of this is soft men who blame everyone else around them for their failures. Uh, soft men tend to blame especially the strong and mature men around them for their failures. I mean, and I think the reason why uh, practically is because it's usually the strong men who are exposing the failures of those soft men. Mm. So if I want to like, 
get rid of the tension that's in my soul. Uh, the easiest way to get rid of like the tension when it's exposed that I'm a failure as a soft man. Uh, the easiest way to get rid of that tension is to get rid of the person who um, has either told me that I am, um, that I'm failing, or uh, reminds me that mm-hmm. I'm failing. Mm-hmm. Um, even it may not he may not have even said anything, but his even his presence as a strong, godly man, a mature man, reminds him of his failures. Uh, soft men uh, don't confront issues. Um, head on, but instead passively hold on to grudges and bitterness like a pansy. Uh, and sometimes they even do this for years, even 10, 12 years, or 20, or 30, or beyond. It's, listen, so- soft men are ruled by their emotions, and in their heart and in their minds, they murder things like objectivity, truth, logic, and reason. Why? Because those things aren't convenient. They, they don't fit the narrative. They don't fit the... the uh, they're not comforting in one's softness. It, it says, like, things are not right. Um, and so they have, to, they have to get rid of these things, like truth and logic and reason, if they're going to be ruled by their emotions. So I... I, I how do you, how do you see this, Sarah? Like, what have you seen? You know, you had mentioned men nurtured to be perpetual children, and you had mentioned those high statistics at the beginning of the podcast in the fatherless homes, and those could be necessarily like not necessarily where the father is completely absent. Maybe his presence is there, but his leadership is not there mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Now, those yeah. st- 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 statistics. Yes, statistics. Yes, thank you could very well be a completely absent father. But, um, you know, with mom leading, mom is a woman and mom is feminine and mom is not going to be a great father. We're just incapable of nurturing our child in a masculine way because that is not our design. So if moms are leading, then the upbringing will be feminine on all accounts. Women naturally mother and nurture, and if we don't submit our mothering to the Bible, we can fleshly take this gifting of mothering and use it for unrighteousness. Maybe we get soft on discipline. Maybe we get soft on teaching. Maybe we get soft and let the child be the authority. Submitting our motherhood to the Bible looks like reading the Bible ourselves, listening to our pastors preaching those texts from the Bible, and having biblical conversations within the church body on how a mother ought to be biblically parenting. So if moms aren't doing this, then there is a high likelihood that moms are growing children up into unrighteousness. And thus it's affecting the boys not growing up into the masculine men and leaders of their home that they need to be. Yeah. You know, I I think that uh, uh, probably in a lot of situations, um, particularly in the church, that you know maybe dad's absent, like physically um, chasing other things, too busy at work, and so mom's left there. Like, well, I've I gotta pick up the loose ends, right? And she's not. I just I don't see at least again at least in the church, particularly the the kind of churches that that we're involved with. Like, she's not gonna do this on purpose. She's not going to try to raise a soft man, a soft boy on purpose. Like that's that's not what she's trying. And now there, now I do think we have to wake up. There are women trying to raise soft boys, um, and just now they've gotten to the point where they can just call them girls, um, right? I can just call my little biological male son a girl, and and that fits their agenda really, really well, which is just sickening and ridiculous and evil. Um, but but there's most, plenty of adult. Um, children, adult males who have mothers that are still teaching, or not teaching, but still treating their adult son. Yes. In a way that's keeping them soft. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So the th- so I just wanted to say, like, for most, at least those who are probably listening to this, are not intentionally try the the moms are not intentionally trying to raise soft boys. Sure. Like, um, 
but they're probably unintentionally and don't realize it. And so whether dad's present or not. Um, so even if dad's present, uh, moms need to be careful that they don't work against dad when it comes to raising those boys. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, um, mom also needs to learn that she's not, um, you know, doing things that perpetuate that softness in a boy. Um, and, and, push him or kind of hold him back in that uh, kind of growth. And ideally, moms who are alone in their parenting can recruit godly men yeah. from their church yeah, yeah, to absolutely. step in and spend time with their sons and and just invest in them. So it's not we're at a loss of this is hopeless, but this is a, a sad effect of the fall. Yeah. Absent fathers, mothers doing their best. You know, of course, mothers are sinful, just like every other human being. So we can have some intentional manipulation, intentional coddling that we need to check biblically. But a lot of a lot of moms are trying really hard and it's it's a hard job being a single mm-hmm. parent. So, you know, just but just being aware that, oh, this boy needs a man in his life, a godly yeah. man. Yeah, I would suggest to a to a like a single mom <clears throat> like that that um, that she reads some books on fatherhood mm-hmm. and reads some books on masculinity. Um, you know, like uh, Federal Husband is a good book by um, uh, by Wilson Doug Wilson. Um, this could be a man by Michael Foster. Um, there's. Uh, um, a book by Owen Strahan, I think, and Gavin Peacock on, um, on uh, I think that's his last name. <laughs> Maybe I should look it up. Um, those are the on masculinity and femininity. Of course, there's a lot of garbage out there, so so don't just pick any old book. Um, but to familiarize those things, and she might just have to draw some distinctions for her for her boys. Um, or if there, or if she has a, a husband who's not fathering like he should be, then she might have to make up some of those things and say, "Hey, son, I, you know, I'm this way. I'm a woman. I should be acting more this way. But you're going to be a man, and you should act more this way." Um, and, and I hope we can get into some of those today, some examples. But um, but next, let's talk about like we live in a culture that that is literally at war against masculinity. Yeah, we need to wake up and. Uh observe our culture. It's good for us to step out of our mode of operation and observe the culture around us. If we don't, we will live reacting versus being proactive. We will not be at the ready because we are just letting things happen to us versus being active to sift and discern what's going on in our lives. And so our current plight of gender is women are on the rise to be very powerful and seeking to rule over men. I see it on billboards. I see it in advertisements. I see it in shows and movies, the rise of the woman as dominant. And I think that's key. Women can, women are strong, smart, and can be powerful. Um, but the problem, the sinfulness comes in when we are rising in domination over a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was... Um, uh it was uh it was the commercial for Matlock that's what it was <laughs> Matlock yeah. there's a reboot for Matlock uh and it's Kathy Bates yeah. is the right is it Kathy Bates yeah it's she's, a woman she's the, which is like it's fine, fine to have yeah. like a Matlock TV show where it's a woman like that would be fine if you know if the original show was that but but what uh, you know are we what I'm trying to think of like a an older female show as a star. Can you think of an example? Well, I was thinking the example that came to my mind was kind of the most more recent Sherlock Holmes um, mm-hmm. series okay. had a female Watson. Yeah. So yeah, the TV series mm-hmm. did the one that was based in like New York City. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of like an old. Um, oh, like in the past. In the past, Murder She Wrote. Murder She Wrote. Well, what if we rebooted that with a man instead? <laughs> Like that just would not fly, right? That, that, it's like a reboot. Like it's just a different show. It's just, well, yeah, but 
So the point is, it's not, it's not, who cares if Kathy Bates as a woman is playing Matlock? The issue is that our culture right now is at war. Mm-hmm. Like it's trying to like destroy anything that's masculine, like and replace it with female power across the board in every aspect. Like we don't need men. There's there's no place for it. Um, so we're fine on our own. Like that's the, that's the propaganda being sold to us right now. So again, I don't have any problem with, with Kathy Bates playing that role. I don't have, we don't have problems with, with women having positions of power. Like, like that's, that's not the issue. The issue is not that a woman might even be a boss and over a man in, in the workplace and such, but, um, but what's what's happening? If I could like take the, your what you just said a few moments ago and kind of press into it a, a little more, what's happening is it's trying to eradicate men and and just make them equivalent with the children, and if, and maybe even less mm. than the children, mm-hmm. um, and that's evil, and that's what I'm pushing against. So from there, I, I want to talk about. So we live in a uh, in a culture at war against masculinity. Um, and we particularly don't like this term patriarchy. Uh, I think, first of all, it's a misunderstood term that is typically used to associate abusive men who make women just do what they want, or men who subjugate women. Uh, now, there certainly are evil patriarchies that do that, so we'll talk about that more in a few minutes. But godly patriarchy is a good thing. So if you have a problem with the word patriarchy, first of all, you should recognize how much like garbage or baggage you bring into that definition. Absolutely. And and you probably should chuck some of that, as we're going to come from the scripture side of this, because godly patriarchy is a good thing. Father Abraham was a patriarch. Moses was a patriarch. David was a patriarch. Jesus, a patriarch. Like these these men were leaders and had. Uh, family members that they cared for and were uh, the the fathers. I mean, Jesus, not physically, but the others were f- fathers of many. Um, and I, I think another word. I don't. I don't want to. I, I don't like to. Like particularly if it's a biblical word like patriarchy, I don't like to just um, chuck those words out because the culture has decided to hijack those words and use right. them for their own. But I think another word that's really helpful, and this is not original to us, but uh, is the word father rule, uh, as another good phrase for biblical patriarchy. Uh, men leading as they were intended to lead, imaging the fatherly rulership of God. So recognizing unique differences between men and women, not simply roles between men and women and God's design for men to use their unique differences as men to rule on behalf of their father. That's where evil patriarchy went wrong. They weren't ruling on behalf of God the Father. Correct. Although I'm I'm sure that some spiritual, twisted spiritual patriarchies did do that, you know? Yeah. But informed biblical fatherhood is the kind of patriarchy that we are talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That that's informed from the scriptures, um, but uh, what I, what I want to do is like press in because it's more than just like patriarchy is more than just saying the roles of men and women are different. So particularly in a marriage, like this, that's the context we're talking about here. Uh, there's there's words out there to describe uh, that that talk. Or I guess let me back up, like. Where we tend to limit when we talk about distinction between men and women is, is we don't want to talk about their general differences as a gender. We just want to say, you know, if if we're if we're kind of in uh, like complementarianism is an, is another word that I think is generally a, a fine word. I just don't think it goes as far, or at least maybe it's lost a lot of its oomph that it once had, and it had too many holes in it, too many loopholes in it. Um, because what we've got now is, is a lot of supposed Christians who believe in a godly order of the home, and they will say, well, the husband should be the head of the house, and the wife should follow her husband, 
and maybe there should only be male pastors, but then beyond that, we can't say anything else. And we're saying, like, patriarchy says, no, we can say a lot more. There are actually distinctions between men and women that are innate to their character or to their, uh, to their design as a man and design mm-hmm. as a woman. Um, like, for instance, a man is designed to protect and provide. Like, so a, a godly patriarch is going to protect his family and provide for his family. And you say, well, where, well, where, do, you, where do you see that at? Well, um, I, I think we see that in the Scriptures, certainly. You see that um, with Adam is given this, this role to, to conquer, to, to move forward, to bring order out of chaos, and, and that involved maintaining order of his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's implied in the text. But also if you just—and I know we don't like this as a culture right now, but if you also just look at our, the way God's made us physically, so just natural order here, men are physically stronger than women. And if, and if you don't believe me, just look at all the supposed trans men and women's sports right now. I mean, people are freaking mm-hmm. out over this, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, people protesting this, as they should be, mm-hmm. because they're, the men are crushing all of these elite female athletes. Mm-hmm. They're just crushing them. Why? Because they're stronger. Well, why? Because God has made man to protect and provide. Um. So certainly in the home, but also in the civil sphere, uh, in the church. Um, but again, our, our world can't stand godly patriarchy. So even if—here's the deal—even if we define patriarchy in a biblical sense, here's something you've got to understand as a Christian. The world is still going to reject that. Like, it's still not going to uh, sign up for a godly patriarchy. So you could be winsome as you want to be mm-hmm. with— uh, defining it as as carefully as close to the Bible as you can, and the world's still going to reject. I think Kevin DeYoung has some helpful words. He says, patriarchy, rightly conceived, is not about the subjugation of women as much as it is about the subjugation of the male aggression and male irresponsibility that runs wild when women are forced to be in charge because the men are nowhere to be found. What school or church or city center or rural hamlet is better off when fathers no longer rule? Where communities of women and children can no longer depend upon men to protect and provide, the result is not freedom and independence. And so the the choice is not between patriarchy and enlightened democracy, but between patriarchy and anarchy. Anarchy is a state of disorder due to absence or non-recognition of authority or other controlling systems. Yeah. So, so DeYoung is saying that we, the, the, we were, the issue is not with patriarchy the, the, um, uh, about this forced submission of women. That's, that's not so much the issue with patriarchy. The issue is that you have a bunch of men who don't want to rightly use their their aggression, so use it to serve and protect, uh, to use it to conquer the next acre of land and take it for the glory of God, uh, and they want to men who want to be irresponsible and not do their role. And so when that happens, um, then women have to step up and and try uh, to do, but they're trying to do what only the men can do. Uh, in those places. And that doesn't result in freedom uh, and independence. It results in anarchy. So so now, why, again, are we, like, is this world at, uh, at war with patriarchy? Why uh, do we... Um, why are we pushing against that? Um, I think here's... I think here's uh, at least another reason why. Since men were created for dominion, conquest, rulership, protection, provision, so those kinds of things, then that means that every man is a potential threat to the powers in existence, to the, to, particularly to the evil patriarchies. 
Sure. So, uh, or to any patriarchy, technically. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Michael Foster and and uh, and another buddy, Non, wrote a book called "It's Good to Be a Man," and in there they say, because God made them to rule. They are a threat to existing rule, and they give like kind of three reasons, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase those three reasons. Um, but evil patriarchs, patriarchies always do one of these three things to remove the threat of the potential patriarchal threats. So, uh, and I think you see this all over our culture right now. The first thing that they can do to men is harness the men. So why waste all that energy? Nebuchadnezzar did this in Daniel 1. You see this in Hitler's youth. You see this in the woke train making keyboard warriors out of soft mama boys. Like, they, they, they take these, these guys and, and just direct their energy mm-hmm. to serve the evil patriarch that's in power. So if you can harness them, if you can manipulate them to use their their giftings, uh, their strengths mm-hmm. for this, then then you got them. Mm-hmm. You don't have to compete with them. They're yours. They become your little soldiers. Mm-hmm. And there's so many men who are doing strong, powerful things that are not necessarily soft men, but they don't realize they've just they've just uh, had a leash put on them by another evil patriarch. Uh, or an evil matriarch that's in their life. Mm-hmm. And they're following uh, through on that mission. And they're, yeah, they're just carrying out that mission like a whipped little puppy dog. Um, next, the, the next way that evil patriarchs uh, like deal with the threat is to pacify them. So you put them to work as slaves, as Pharaoh did. Quote, men who are hooked up like junkies to the dopamine drip of things like virtual fornication and fake dominion are worthless for the task of being fruitful in real life and imposing genuine order on their worlds. So a couple examples here. We were talking about this the other day, Sarah. Like, a man who uh, has this, this itch to provide and protect, when he uses his sexuality to reproduce with a wife, then at that point, he now has... Uh, so th- this, is, this is not just for a Christian. This is just the world in general. He then has a wife and kids and a home that he has... Uh, that generally men have a sense of obligation now mm-hmm. to provide, to protect, uh, to fight for them. But what happens is... And this is part of how they've been pacified, is men have been given things like pornography, where it scratches the itch of sexual gratification, but without the uh, drive to now provide and protect. So you just riddle these guys to the side, and you don't have to, to, to deal with them now. Another example would be like video games. So men were created to... Uh, to fight, to, to conquer, to stand up for what's right. So what happens, and I'm not against video games, although we really don't do much of them in our house, but uh, what happens with video games with men particularly, particularly when they're playing like fighting games, what happens uh, in gun you know, games, uh, like what happens is they, they, they get their itch to conquer, to bring order, they, to fight, they get that itch scratched, and then they go out and do nothing in the world because it's been quote unquote satisfied. Yeah, by a by a virtual, yeah, fake reality. Yeah, you know, women want that protection. Women want that leadership, even. Yeah, and because our world is inundated with computer screens, phone screens hobbies like video games or indoor things, then our males are being satisfied with with fake things that mm-hmm. they should be doing the real thing of with in person with their wife, in person with their kids. Actually yeah. protecting the household in real life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so the third one is if you can't harness them or pacify them, then you must destroy them. 
quote, we're living in a world of fatherless males who don't know how to rebuild the walls of society. They have become clueless bastards. They know how to build, explore, and conquer in video games. They must turn to YouTube to learn how to jumpstart a car, tie a half-winster knot, and do a push-up. And so what happens in our, in our world right now is masculinity is shamed. Strong men are vilified as toxic, abusive, and domineering. You know, really, the only time that it's acceptable for a man to be like aggressive is if he's punching right. So meaning if, if he's punching to those on the conservative side, the more right side. So if you're a progressive, it's okay for those guys to be aggressive towards the, the people on the political or the conservative right side. Um, so male aggression is acceptable there. You can call them whatever you want. You can go after them. You can do whatever you want. But, um, but if you're, what the phrase is, if you're punching left to those who are more liberal or more progressive, then you are most certainly toxic and abusive and domineering. Um, fathers are portrayed as unnecessary buffoons. Oh, sure. I see the the buffoon thing in sitcoms all the time. Mm-hmm. And you know, I remember jokes like on... TGI Friday, right? Yo, yeah. The dad was always the goofy, usually overweight, lazy mm-hmm. one that wasn't getting what was being mm-hmm. being talked about. Yeah, like your Tim whatever. Allens, mm-hmm. <laughs> your George Lopez's. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. They're, or they're, um, the men are just relegated to those who simply bring home the bacon. Oh, yeah. So that That's wife and kids can basically do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, dad dad supports it yeah. and goes along with it. Mm-hmm. Now, certainly there are many men who are abusive, buffoons, and alike. But that isn't discerned by any way other than from the Scriptures. But what's happened in our culture is we're defining it uh, like what what of masculinity is abusive or domineering or toxic, largely based on just how it makes someone else feel. So if I feel uh, like you're domineering, if I feel like you're oppressive, or if I feel like you're being abusive, then therefore you are. And in our world right now, if as long as the person who's claiming that they're being abused is a couple layers down on the intersectionality chart, then they've got a golden ticket. Like, no one can question them. This is my experience. You were abusive, and, and there it is. And then if you can get a few people to agree with you, right. now you have a consensus, and it doesn't matter. Like, I've heard so many times, well, well but there's like 10 people who say this. Well, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if there are 10 people that said that that this man and his authority is abusive. The question is, is, is it abusive according to the Word of God? Well, usually it all starts with one person's feelings, mm-hmm. who shares it with another person who doesn't question, is this measured against the Word of God? Mm-hmm. And then the feeling gets passed to the next feeling, to the next feeling, to the next feeling, to the next feeling. So then you have this group that is all up in arms over someone's feelings. Yep. And that is a dangerous place to be. Yeah. Well, and part of the reason why that that string that you described happens, uh, and, and Wilson and Joe Rigney have a great talk called The Sin of Empathy uh, that I'd recommend anyone go listen to. So what happens is those we're taught right now to not question the feelings and the experience of another person. We're just taught to accept it as rule, as fact, as objective. Well, they experienced that, so therefore it must be true. And no one wants to get into the business of saying, yeah, so I know you experienced it, but the way you interpreted that was terribly wrong. Mm-hmm. And so what's happening is good, godly, masculine men are being destroyed by evil patriarchies because some soft, effeminate man got his feelings hurt because he was told no. Mm. He was told you can't have that. Or he was told, you can't treat your wife that way. And so what happens is, is he gets his feelings hurt. And he probably went and shared it with his mama. <laughs> yeah, he probably did. <laughs> right. And then mama uh-huh. recruited the whole neighborhood 
against uh, this. It's exactly yes, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, I just had a lot of flashbacks there. <laughs> oh man, this is rampant in our churches too. So like, this is not just out in the world. This is rampant in churches. So no wonder you have pastors who don't want to stand up for anything. It's because they're going to get hit by a mob. I mean, so, some some of you men that are even listening have been. You got to check check yourselves. You've either been destroyed, or someone's tried to destroy you, or you've been pacified, or you've been harnessed by the evil patriarchies of our day. And the thing, the reality is, we're responsible to do something about it. Yeah, our society needs you to do something about it. Our local church body needs the men in the body to do something about it. We need men who are leading, men who are leading in their marriages and in their homes, protecting in real life. Mm-hmm. We need that. Absolutely. All right, well, let's read Genesis 1, 26 through 28, and we're going to ask the question, so then why did God make man? Um, so in verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So why did God make man? Well, uh, with, without like diving real deep into these pieces, manhood, man, man was creative for productive, representative rulership. Representing God himself. Yes, representative rulership. So representing God's productivity and representing God's rulership. That's what he's created for. So rulership literally meaning decision-making, authority, responsibility, lordship. He's to be productive. So he's to create, he's created to produce something with that rulership. His rulership is to lead somewhere, make some product, bring about some consequence. So the, the thing is, it's, so he's not just given rulership to just get what he wants. He's given rulership to use it to produce something for the glory of God and for the love of his neighbor. And there's the contrast between godly patriarchy and evil patriarchy. Yes. Evil patriarchy can only serve themselves. Yep. They don't have eyes to see or ears to hear the scriptures. So that is what our culture sees in our past and in our history as wrong, and the pendulum has swung the opposite way. But in this episode, we are naming what godly patriarchy is mm-hmm. and why we need it. Yeah, the third piece of that was that it's representative. So the directives, the actions are not from him nor about him, but are from and for God, a holy and perfect God. So again, this means he doesn't he doesn't rule to get what he wants. It means he doesn't get to play pansy Nancy and let those under him have their way. It means he is responsible to rule in a way that accurately represents God, no matter what those under his rulership want. Yes, and this is when he needs to have keen senses to what the wife is doing and thinking and believing. He needs to be strong enough, or at least be growing in this, to lead his his Eve, his wife, to righteousness and flee from cultural apples. Yeah, you, he needs to know what his wife is dabbling with. Mm-hmm. He needs to know, you know, what kind of pages is she following, what kind of music is she listening to, like not to not to be controlling, but to be the gatekeeper of what's coming into the household. Yeah, and that, that's not just the kids. That's his wife. Right. Absolutely. It's his wife. So as, as he, as he uh, rules in a way that's representative of God, then he, uh, like, to your point, he's, he's a gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. And he needs to be uh, paying attention to what is coming in through his wife's ears as well. I mean, Eve brought the fruit to Adam. Yes. Right. And women were were strong and smart and and have a big influence in the culture of the home. And the man needs to be sure that the wife is doing such influencing within the with the scriptures mm-hmm. in righteousness. 
That's right. So th- what this means is that he is um, he's to exercise dominion, and what we mean by that is to fruitfully order the world in God's stead. I love that. Yeah. Foster, Michael Foster says, this man is made as a stand-in ruler for God. So practically, practically, this means that a man is to establish his own presence and rule in the physical realm that God has placed him. So for, in order for us to think about it, we're just going to talk about two, two terms here, mission and dominion. So we've talked about patriarch, and now we're going to talk about mission and dominion. Mission that God gives to man is to subdue the earth. I'm sorry, is to fill the earth. Um, subdue the earth is dominion. But mission is to fill the earth. So back to the garden, Adam isn't just created to just squash the disorder, but is called to bring order. And he is to tend the garden, putting the plow into the ground and planting seeds. And then he is to husband those seeds in orderly fashion under the rulership of God, his creator. It's fascinating, the definition of husbandry, and I didn't know this until recently you were talk, You were doing some chameleon stuff. You are talking about doing yeah, husbandry. I was, I was to, raised, I was yes. Chameleon husbandry. One and so that's what I learned the definition. Failed adventures. But husbandry is the care, cultivation, and breeding of crops and animals. It's management and conservation of resources. Yeah, that's right. That, so that's, that's what Adam was to do. Uh, this is in all of life, um, and also fundamentally in his wife and in his kids. Um, and then as he does, he's going to need more and more help to spread God's image and rulership across the earth. And so he will need to plant seeds that will fruit in the womb of his wife in the form of a new image bearer. So the, these pictures, like he's to fill the earth. That we, We've already talked about um, how the two fit together, husband and wife, um, but he's going to, if he's going to fulfill this mission to fill the earth with the glory of God and bring order as they do that, then he's going to need help through children with Eve. You know, even tonight we had conversations with our children about some school situations. and Yeah, the one with like the coarse joking. Yeah, they're experiencing... You know, hearing some friends coarse joking and, you know, just tonight we were working with our children with filling the earth. And for them, it would be in the context of them filling their school mm-hmm. with conversation that is godly and is spirit filled versus the opposite of, say, um, coarse joking or gossip. And we just had a great conversation with teaching them the the contrast between you know, Christian and non-Christian, you know, this is the way of the Spirit, this is the way not of the Spirit. And so that was one way we were on mission together tonight Mm -hmm. in our kids and helping them to fill the earth at the school. Yeah, yeah. Um, Next, man was created for dominion. So man is to subdue it, uh, subdue creation. Genesis uses the phrase subdue, which literally means to forcefully put down. So the rest of the world outside the garden was dangerous and wild. And it still is. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Um, yes. Adam was to order it and shape it. Now, this doesn't mean that everything man does requires force. It doesn't mean that he's never uh, uh, patient or more gentle in like a China lamp, you know, mm-hmm. teacup sense, mm-hmm. certainly. But it means that he was created to exercise force on behalf of God when necessary. Uh, and that's not always force in putting down evil, but it could just be force in putting his hand to the plow, um, or force in a conversation. I'll say boldness yeah. in a conversation to actually say something rather than bite your tongue. Yeah, you know, you got to have the wisdom yeah. and the boldness to yeah. to say something. What, what do people think? We've gotten to like the transgender, the LGBTQ movement. Like, what do people think we've gotten there? Like, how do we get there? Well, one of the one of the ways we got there was a bunch of soft men not willing to subdue the earth. They should have stood up and said, "No, this is garbage. Mm-hmm. Like, this is ridiculous. Why? Why are we even considering these things?" 
Like it's taken honestly to to we've to, it's taken getting to the transgender movement for men to finally realize how absurd all of this letter family stuff is. Mm-hmm. And and now they're starting to stand up. Well, the question was, I mean, I know there were a handful of guys like your R.C. Sproles and your MacArthur's and such, but but like and your Doug Wilson's, but like, but where was everyone else thirty years ago? Mm-hmm. You know, twenty years ago. Um, well, well it was because they had all been pacified or harnessed mm-hmm. or destroyed. Yeah. So men, though, are to take the word of God and the power of the Spirit and bring everything under the dominion of Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 1.22 says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church. So how is this happening practically? Well, practically, you know, seeing that righteousness rules the household, your marriage, your parenting, your hospitality, you're applying the Sunday sermon to the life of your home, and then the gospel naturally flows outward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know... Uh, you know, one, one, one of the things I'm thankful for um, that kind of happens naturally in our home is the sermon gets applied naturally in our home. Um, when I say naturally, is like I, I can't get a ton of credit for that because I'm typically preaching those sermons, you know, at least 60% of the time at Christ the Lord. So the sermon is well known to me, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm studied, it's, mm-hmm. and so it's naturally going to come out my, mm-hmm. my mouth, uh, in casual conversations at dinner time. So my point is, is I, I don't really get credit for having those kind of conversations, but I can tell you that those conversations are invaluable. Right. Uh, to take the scriptures and to subdue your family in a godly way and help them to subdue uh, the earth. So like back to the example of like the coarse joking in our kids at school, um, one of our kids heard it, and and understood it like he he realized like in in a couple of the things he's like well it wasn't as bad as it could have been the joke could have been worse um, or this joke was worse than this joke and um, but he was still embarrassed to say them um, and and so we we had to have the conversation and talk through those um, but what happened when he heard them he said don't say those things mm-hmm. like that's unrighteousness I mean he didn't probably didn't say unrighteousness but that's what he was saying. Mm-hmm. He was subduing that moment. He was standing up for what was right. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Foster says this, created with the desire to conquer and to subdue, to hew down and to build up, to form and to shape. You yearn, men, he's talking about here, you yearn to bend the world to your will because Adam was created to bend the world to his will. Now, the problem is if you want to bend the world to your will when you were created to bend it towards God's will. And that's so godly patriarchy is men created to bend the world towards God's will. Mm-hmm. And so in the household, in your career, as you're driving down the road, as you're interacting with the uh, chaotic uh, civil magistrate, as you're interacting on Twitter or whatever, um, we were created as men to hew down, to conquer, to bend the world, but not towards our will, mm-hmm. towards God's. Mm-hmm. I'm to order the evening of my household towards God's will. And so sometimes that means we got to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that means I need to sit down and just let my daughter sit on my lap while the kids play soccer. Mm-hmm. Like that, it just depends. Um, this, this, um, you know, recognizing uh, as a father and as a patriarch that that I've got this great power that God's given me, but I have to use that power for His glory, and the way that looks is by organizing life for my wife and for my kids, for you and for my kids, in such a way that it is bent towards God's will. You know, and I see and think of men coming home from their day jobs and really easily, you know, spent, you know, mentally tired, physically tired, 
and you've got a family to come home to or a wife to come home to. And, you know, how are you going to um, bend that evening to God's will? Mm-hmm. And like you said, you gave some examples. It could be just sit, letting your daughter sit on, on your lap, you know, um, but it, it will a lot of times look like doing some things that take some energy, yeah. make some conversations, some not lay, not sitting on the couch, but being up and playing some soccer with your kids mm-hmm. outside and just being atten- just attentive to them, filling their souls with your presence. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think it was Foster said this, this nature of manhood here must be redeemed, not rejected. And it, that's what's happening right now, just being rejected. So you have a bunch of men who have these godly urges mm-hmm. uh, to conquer, to provide, to protect, to hew down. By to God's bend. design. Yeah. And they're just being told, no, 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 no. We, we just want you to nurture. We just want you to pacify. We just want you to sit there. We just want you to nod your head. We just want you to be agreeable. We just want you to get along with everybody. We want you to do all things. And, and just, we, want to, we just want you to say, yes, dear. You hear that a lot. Yes, just <laughs> say, yes, dear. Um, yeah. And, and so these men are like, well, am I just a defective woman? You're, you're, you're not meant to be a woman. Like, like I heard someone say, or I heard someone say, and I've taken this up as my phrase too, like, I don't need a, a feminine side. Like, you're my feminine side. Mm-hmm. I'm called to be a man. Mm-hmm. And you don't need a masculine side. Right. You don't need to get in touch with your masculine side. And I don't need to get in touch with my feminine side. Um, you, I'm your masculine side. Um, and so you be feminine. I'll be masculine, and we together will do what God's created us to do. Right. So once again, uh, we want to encourage you that through God's grace and His Word, His local church, and the power of the Spirit, you can do this. If you'd like to join us on this mission by supporting us financially, please visit patreon.com and just search simply for the Withy Window Podcast. Uh, We enjoy helping men and women exercise dominion and mastery over their corner of the earth as they build godly households that are sturdy, productive, and joyful.